start off just by throwing up uh, an image. Um, Karen, if you want to put that picture up. Yeah, no, not that one, but you know, you can pay attention to that if you want to. Can you read that? The sign? God told me that 2022, uh, scratch that, 23 is going to be my year. Um, this caught my attention a couple of weeks ago. I, I actually love looking at this guy's uh, Instagram posts. He's actually um, a friend of our daughter, Beck, um, goes to a church in South Sydney. But this little Instagram um, channel is sort of world-renowned because he makes these signs that really do just kind of um, tickle some of the weird and funny sides of things that Christians believe and say and do. And so he's, he's just very astute at picking up on some of these things. And, you know, the way we sort of... Um, sometimes we, you know, have ideas or make claims to, you know, promises or things that we believe God has said or whatever. And it is funny, but it's also sort of sometimes a bit sad and ironic because you just think, oh, that's just so true, and it's, you know, you shake your head. But, you know, that's people, right? But often it does highlight uh, some issue or aspect of Christian faith that maybe lacks maturity or, um, or maybe lacks true sort of biblical wisdom behind it but you know sometimes we have these buzzwords and catchphrases that seem to do the rounds and we can get some funny ideas from them sometimes and uh, yeah so if you want to check it out church dude with sign (laughs) but here's the reality and this is why I'm starting off with this this little picture because I actually feel like so many people in their wrestle of life their walk the daily walk, how many of us actually struggle with feelings of disappointment? Um, You know, when we believe that God has actually made a promise to us that we, you know, or we've been told uh, that God has said this or said that, um, but in our immediate circumstances, we don't actually see much change. You know, the outcome is not there. And it feels like... you know, in worst case, it feels like a fraud, a fake. There are people who've walked away from church because of these kinds of things, this kind of disappointment where, you know, we've been sold an idea and, and we buy into it for a time, but then disappointment sets in and we say, you know what, forget it. And um, what makes the difference? Well, we'll get into that a bit, I think, Hopefully. How about I just stop and pray for a moment. Lord, I really do ask God that that today we would hear you. That not my word, but yours. That the things that are on your heart is what would come through. And God, that you would steer our thoughts and um, even how we receive uh, what is spoken, Lord. Be guided by your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would truly lead us into all truth by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. You are a God of miracles. You are a God of wonders. You're a God who is present. You're a God who hears. You're a God who knows. 
And so we just come humbly. Lord, I come humbly and ask that you would, yeah, just lead us truly into your truth. Amen. Perhaps for you, this, um, you know, 2022, hurrah, we're past all the nonsense. Perhaps you actually thought it would be your year of breakthrough and instead it was just another hard blow, just a different kind. You know, and all kinds of stuff comes against us in life, all kinds of battles, disappointments, you know, whether it's, you know, a need for healing or provision or some other change of circumstances. I mean, life just throws all kinds of muck at us. It's weird. But, you know, here we are in 2023. We're still holding on to God to come through, you know. And he is our God of miracles. There is good news for us. That's what gospel means. It's good news. Jesus came with good news and he fully embodied that good news in his death and resurrection. But isn't it ironic that sometimes the good news first looks like death before we get to see resurrection and new life? And I think so often while we're interested in an outcome of you know, that sees an end to our suffering and our pain. God is actually more interested in the formation of our faith and our character. And um, in the middle of all that, where it seems that God has a higher priority for our growth than our pain, there is a realm of mystery of the place of suffering in our journey with God, even the place of patience. And, um, you know, last Sunday, um, I heard about it after the event, the event but I went back and, and, and watched. But our, our parent church, who's kind of more like our sister church these days, in Hornsby, the, where Caroline and I came from, and it was, you know, we were part of that church for a good 30 or so years, um, kind of technically are still, but they had a time of sharing where people got up and told stories of what God had been doing in their lives and just from all different people from the congregation and all different kinds of stories, all different kinds of stuff from simple, beautiful revelations that someone had you know, got from God to um, just astounding stories. And one of them that... Um, you know, came back to me and I actually went and listened because I didn't know about this and this involves someone who's a personal friend, someone that Caroline and I have known and my mum and dad have known for um, decades. And this lady, Robin, stood up and she told how last year she was diagnosed with a very rare and also very aggressive form of cancer Her bones were riddled with it and um, her prognosis, you know, given by medical professionals was very, very poor. And so she was there uh, in the church service 
last year, about eight or nine months ago. And she was just singing. She'd had one round of chemo treatment and God had given her a promise from his word that she was just holding on to. Uh, Just a simple verse of scripture. And they were singing a song, a worship song. Uh, The bridge says, all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. And as she is singing that, the power of God hit her body like electricity from head to toe. And she experienced a moment where God was doing something wild and she felt he's healed me. And she went and uh, had her next appointment and they did scans and they found no trace of the cancer, which is awesome, yes. That, that's like not psychosomatic. <laughs> that's a miracle. That's God at work. And it had gone completely and she's walking in healing And she held on to that testimony for eight or nine months. She hasn't shared that publicly. And the reason is that she'd had, she knew many others, including personal friends who were were either suffering from cancer and were praying to God for healing and friends who had died from cancer. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? That's just kind of messes you up, but she felt it was time to stand up and testify. But it's difficult that we actually do see suffering all around and we see God at work in the midst. But, it, you know, there's mystery, and, and she said that as she shared the testimony. We have to just keep hold of the mystery of God in all of this. And, and sadly, one of the things that's very easy for us to do is to grab hold of a, a Bible verse or a, and sort of make a blanket principle and, and just try and apply that as like a, you know, like a physics formula to our situation. And, and that's not God. <laughs> and there are just things that perhaps his agendas don't line up with ours. Yes, absolutely. I had cancer. Yep. Chemo and radiation. Um, mine was, um, I am an overcomer through Jesus. I can do anything through Jesus. Yeah. That yeah, through. your testimony. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And that's it, right? It's, but we walk that journey with God personally. Mm. We walk it personally. And, and, you know, there's all different stories and things going on where people are holding on to God, sort of clinging for dear life, you know? So I want to talk about that mystery a bit today. And uh, maybe I'll roll some over to next week. I don't know how that works, because there's kind of a lot swirling around in my head. <laughs> and, and it's been a while since I've actually stood up here and preached. It was like probably two months ago. And so I've got all this bubbling going on. Anyway... Very recently, I also started reading the Bible again from start to finish, which I haven't 
done for a couple of years. Um, some people do that every year, just like that's what I do. Uh, I do it every so often, so it's probably been a few years since I had. But So I'm reading through Genesis a couple of weeks ago. You right? You need to give it a good yank. Or is it push? I actually it's push. I'm gonna, she'll be there for half an hour. Don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> so I've been reading through Genesis and I came across a verse that really arrested my attention. Uh, I hope that happens to you too from time to time in Scripture. You, can, you know, I've been reading the Bible for decades and, and I have no doubt that I've read this verse before, but it arrested my attention because it's like I'd never seen it before. And it comes from Genesis 13, where it's one of the times where God is speaking to Abraham. Abram, at the time, his name is. And, um, and so it's, it's not the first time Abram encounters God, but it's one of the significant times that happens in that story. And it goes like this. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, so Lot was Abram's nephew, two big families. This town ain't big enough for both of us. Lot goes off. And so God comes to Abram and says, Look around from where you are to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. And he was in a high place. He wasn't in a valley, so it wasn't like this. It was a long way. Anyway, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. It's that last bit, verse 17, arrested my attention. Because whenever I had thought about the idea of, you know, wherever you put your foot will be your, well, will be yours. Is, you know, Moses um, says it to the generation as they're about to go into um, the promised land, the people of Israel when they've come out of Egypt. But the, the, the one you always think of or that I always think of is when the Lord is speaking to Joshua as they're about to enter the promised land. And God says to him, um, basically that same promise, wherever you go, every place you set your foot will be yours. And it almost, it shocked me a little bit that that wasn't a new promise to Joshua. It was new to Joshua personally, but it wasn't a new promise. It was actually a continuation of what God had spoken to Abraham already around 500 years before. And so God says this to to Abram, go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. And in a way it shocked me because Really what it highlighted to me again is how much Abram walked in receiving a promise that he actually never saw in his lifetime, the fulfilment. And, and it just brought me into this 
time of thinking about the fact that, you know, when God speaks to us and reveals himself to us, it's actually about going on a journey with God. It's actually about what he wants to accomplish in us as he continues to reveal himself and to transform our identity in him. And Abram went on that journey with God and it took all his life and then some. You know, 500 years later, Joshua is actually hearing the promise restated again. Now go and walk into the land. I'm giving it to you. And Joshua then comes in with the people of Israel that actually take possession of the land. Abram walked around it, I have no doubt, because every time he meets with God and God gives him uh, an instruction, a point of obedience out of their encounter, such as this one, um, Abram actually does it, or later Abraham as, as we know him more commonly. It's not, it's not the first encounter. Previously, um, God had, when God meets Abraham, Abram, as he's first named, God actually, out of the blue, so to speak, turns up and says, I want you to go, leave your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. So we find this in Genesis 12, and it's the beginning of Abram's journey. And God's first promise to him, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's the first clear statement from God that my vision is for the whole world. For the salvation and blessing of the entire earth. And so what's Abram's job? Just go, get moving, and I'll show you. And he does. But, and he's already 75 years old at this point in his life. So he's just living his life with his wife, Sarah, getting on with whatever they got to do. No kids. That's not happening for them. But he goes... And he also does one other key thing, which we see as a pattern that forms in Abram's life. He builds an altar and he worships. His response to God is like, cool, give it all to me now. He's like, okay, this is the thing I can do now. This is what God has put on my heart to do now. And he worships. And it just sets up the pattern of Abraham's life. A lifelong journey towards the fulfillment of all that God had promised him. And so often for each one of us, this is what happens. God starts to take us on a journey towards the fulfillment of what he's promised. And perhaps it can take much longer than we would like. But you know, for in that time following that, he wanders around. He has all kinds of struggles. He's, he's, he goes to war. He has to rescue his nephew from basically, uh, what's the word? 
mass destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, like a volcano erupting out of heaven. Onto, he's got to do all this stuff. He tr- actually tries to work out God's promises in his own strength. You know, ends up having a, a son through a different, um, through Sarah's slave. Uh, what do you call her? Her maidservant. Yeah. He try, you know, so he, he has these sort of moments where you're like, I don't know what you're doing there, man, but that's not it. But we can't really talk, can we? But in actual fact, and God turns up and reminds him of the promises, but it's not even for another 24 years of all that wandering and struggle before God actually does something new and changes his identity from Abram to Abraham. 24 years of being on this same journey, just waiting for God to bring the fulfillment of what he's promised. And it's not after that change in identity where God has actually said, this is who you are. You're a father of many nations. Now, God had spoken that in one form earlier, but now he's like, this is who you are. And so Abraham receives that. As a, and it's like a shift in his identity. And it's only then that the promise, the specific promise of the son, Isaac, comes to him. It's almost like God says, okay, now you're ready for the next part of the revelation of how this is going to work. But even with all that, in a sense, Abraham only ever saw the first glimpse. He saw his son, Isaac. Um... I'm not even sure if he saw Jacob and Esau. I haven't done the maths. Can't tell you on that. He might have seen his grandsons. I'm not sure. Um, So what's the deal with that? How do we process all this from a New Testament understanding as believers in Christ, as those who have, in one sense, received this fulfillment, this great fulfillment of the promises of God in Jesus. You know, is God a big tease who doesn't deliver, you know, says one thing and, you know, every now and then he'll give something out. You know, or is he fickle or fussy with us where it's like, and sometimes we can struggle because we can inadvertently get into a place where we feel like somehow it's our fault if I'm not healed or, you know, and... You know, we can go all, all over the place in our own minds. One of, um, one of the other Instagram posts by Church Dude with Sign, is, they are a bit pointy sometimes, but it says, it's, it's, it's not a satanic attack, you just make bad choices. You know? <laughs> but the point is, we can, we, we can really get in our own head about what's going on. Because we're trying to understand. We want to know. Um, but that is not who God is. And it's not who Scripture says God is. It says he's faithful. You know, what does Psalm 103 say off the top of my head? Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion. That's who God is. But we wrestle. 
what did our New Testament authors, how did they understand it? Well, Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day, and he saw it and was glad. Abraham was content because he knew fulfillment is coming. Greater than anything Abraham in his life on earth could have imagined. Just imagine when he realized, when he got the revelation of how big, how grand was God's plan of salvation. To actually fulfill that very first word, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you and through your seed. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 4, verse 20, that Abraham never wavered in his faith, but gave thanks and glorified God. There's a model for us there. Because Abraham knew that something greater was on God's agenda. Something greater. The writer of Hebrews says it, basically, puts that into words for us, at the end of a long list of heroes of the faith, of which Abraham is a key member of that list. Hebrews 11, 39, 40 says, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since... God had planned something better. A good Pentecostal preacher would go, can I hear you say something better? (laughs) There is something better. Something better for us. Something better for you and me as God continues to fulfill his promises. So that only together with us would they be made perfect. So the completion and the fulfillment of all that God had promised is actually found as we, his people in Jesus, begin to step into those things as we begin to walk in them. And I praise God for those testimonies of healing where God has done something amazing. One of the things I love about Robin's testimony is it wasn't through some big name visiting preacher or, or some you know, resident gifted healer person. She was doing just like Abraham, worshipping in the midst of it. In the journey saying, God, I trust you. Part of Robin's story, and I think she'd be okay with me saying this, but her own youngest daughter has all her life struggled with medical problems. She was born with spina bifida, has never been able to walk, or, you know, she's currently in a wheelchair. That same daughter, after Robin, got up and testified. And do you know what her testimony was? Not, wow, I've been lifted up out of my wheelchair because of the power of God. It was at the gym last week, I could push double the weight with my feet. That's the mystery of God as we outwork that. Imagine being her mum, thinking, why did God heal, God heal her? I would struggle to give that testimony if that was my daughter. It would be hard. But God has something better 
for all of us. There have been times when I've been compelled to pray for healing with someone and yet even in the journey I'm thinking, God is teaching me to love. To actually hold this person's heart with greater compassion, with greater understanding and patience and kindness. And I need all those things. And so I feel like he's got us on this journey of like, what matters most? And sometimes it is the healing. And that is exactly what God wants to do. And I believe that is a firm promise for us. I don't want to be misunderstood on this point. Because too many people say, oh, there's something greater, so we don't go after healing. You know, they, they sort of rationalize, and it's very easy to do that in the things of faith, to rationalize why the miracle doesn't occur, because it's actually really difficult and messy if I claim and lay hold of God, as it were, if I'm the, the woman grabbing hold of the edge of Jesus' cloak, and the healing isn't coming. That's a difficult place, but that's where real faith lives. The Apostle Paul makes a fantastic statement in the start of 2 Corinthians. And he, takes, he, he grabs a hold of a little opportunity of a miscommunication that had gone on with the church there. And he grabs a hold of it and takes it, it turns it around into an opportunity to say something about God. He says, As surely as God is faithful... Our message to you is not yes and no. I'm not going to be yes and no with you. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, our message was not yes and no. But in him, it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. We don't stand firm in our own strength. It's not faith in faith. It's not, you know, if I believe hard enough. It's God who does it. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. There's a tension in this. His promises are absolutely yes and amen, but it's also, in one sense, a deposit of what is to come. And so all healing in this life is temporary until we see him face to face. So God is not a fickle person who says yes sometimes and no at other times. He's constant. He's faithful. Anyone who belongs to Christ. It's in Christ. His promises are always given a yes. And here's one of the problems is that if we choose to wander from depending on him, 
then we actually wander from his promises to some extent also. I mean, he's faithful in always pursuing us. He is faithful. But he will... My experience and my knowledge and all my theological study tells me if we say no to him, he's not going to somehow force us to say yes. And so that's where our amen becomes important. That's why Paul said, so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So our amen matters. And it's only in him that we can actually stand firm in his promises and in his faithfulness. Paul himself in that very same letter, so within the matter of a few pages, is actually talking about his own struggle. Where he says, maybe because of these surpassingly great revelations, he was having these incredible visions of heaven and encounters with God. And he's like, maybe it's just to keep me grounded because otherwise I'd be getting proud. He says, to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Boy, people have some fun speculating what that was. But he had an issue. He called it a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. God, end my suffering. I don't like this. I can't cope. What does God say? My grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in weakness. Sorry, Paul. You need this right now. And so Paul concludes, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. You know, elsewhere he says, same letter again, chapter 4. I'm jumping around in scriptures. We have this treasure in jars of clay so that people will know this great power is not from us but from God. And if my life looks like a bit of a cracked pot sometimes, an imperfect vessel, so that people will actually see the glory of God, well, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. And so good news. (laughs) The good news is we get to Continue on the journey with God and with each other. Continue pressing in for healing. Continue praying about the breakthroughs that we want to see. Continue praying for the salvation of our our loved ones. To continue pressing into God for the areas of pain in our life. It's right that we should do that. You know, when Paul complained, he got an answer. God was not a blank wall for him in that time when he's like, God, get rid of this thing. God responded and gave him greater revelation about what he was doing. 
And that, for me, is the journey for all of us. God, what are you doing in this place? How are you forming me? What, what's the outcome that you want now? What is the step that I can do now? And Lord, help me to build a new altar and worship. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Aaron, do you want to jump up? So it doesn't always work out the way we anticipate. And maybe we're still at the start of a journey or in the middle of it. But we're in a process of being formed by God. Holy Spirit. I just invite you now, Lord, to touch our hearts. God, for those who are struggling and wrestling with different things today, I pray that you would truly meet with us. Lord, we do cry out to you for healing, for the power of your spirit to be manifest. But Lord, even more so, we say that whatever the something better is that's in your heart, we say yes and amen. You know, just as these guys lead us in a closing song and we have some time for prayer. And I know as we worshiped before, Caroline led us and some people were laying hands on different ones around the room. I just want to extend that and move back into that. That, you know, it's not, there are no superstars in this room except the Spirit of Christ who's in our midst. And so if you would like someone to come and pray with you, stand with you in faith, then maybe you just want to raise your hand.